This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time. It's time. It's time. It's time for the hard-hitting analysis you won't find anywhere else. Here's former Super Bowl winning scout Brian Broaddus and Bobby Belt. Ten-five victory! Cowboys win! This is Love of the Star. Star. Welcome to the Love of the Star podcast. I am Bobby Belt. Dallas Scout was insider for 105.3 The Fan in Dallas. Joined as always by former Super Bowl winning NFL scout. Brian Broaddus, he is now the co-host of the G-Bag Nation, 2 to 7 p.m. Central, Monday through Friday on 105 Through the Fan. Uh, you can also catch him as the pre- and post-game co-host on the Dallas Cowboys Radio Network. Brian, how you doing today? I'm doing excellent, Robert. Thank you very much. When we recorded last on uh, Monday night and the T.Y. Hilton signing had been made, what if, if I would have asked you right then, Brian, what percentage chance do you think it is that Odell Beckham Jr. signs with the Cowboys before February? What would your percentage chance have been that night? Zero. Zero. I think I was about zero, maybe one percent, but but uh, practically zero. As I ask you here tonight, as we record on Thursday night, what is your percentage at now? Forty. <laughs> it's, this is I, the, no I, seriously I, yeah it's it's funny bobby I, I i remember all the parameters i've put on it i put 75 60 50 and then as you just asked me zero and i think now from what and i and i work with our buddies over there at dallascowboys.com with you know with the Cowboys break with Derek Eagleton and Nick Eatman yep. and Amber Garcia. And I mean, Thank so God. I'm over at the star like you every morning and, you know, the building was still buzzing about it. They were still buzzing. And, you know, Nick Eatman is a guy that I've known for 14 years working with him, you know, off and on, but I've known him for 14 years. Nick was never a guy that ever just threw something up against the wall and hope it's stuck. Nick oh, is a guy of dropping hints. Nick is what I call the implier. And Nick <laughs> yeah. will imply stuff that you should know. And so, you know, that's the thing about it with, with Nick. And, you know, he wrote a piece for DallasCowboys.com on Thursday talking about the possibility of Odell Beckham still getting signed. 
And if you know working in that building that everybody reads DallasCowboys.com, Jerry, Stephen, Jerry Jr., Charlotte, whatever order you want to put them all in, that's who reads uh, things on DallasCowboys.com. So you know when you post a story and if you say something that might be like, we need to take that down or we should not post that, you know, and there's a lot of things that get posted that probably shouldn't be posted, but that's the beauty of working there because Jerry and the family allow you to do it. So Nick's writing that story. I went from 0% and then talking and being on a show with Nick to like, he's got me convinced because he went, he's like on, on Monday, he's like, he was at 90. I mean, he was at oh. 90%. Then he went down to like 40, like me. Then he went back up to like 80. He was on the radio with you guys on 105.3 The Fan, and that you guys got him on smartly. And he said, and you know, Sean Sharif asked him, where are you at percentage-wise? He said 80%. And I think that, I think that shocked Sean. I don't want to speak for you. I that think your answer, your answer was like five, you know. So, yeah, it, it's, it's one of those things where I don't – I don't think there's people in that organization that want this to happen except the one guy that matters. Yep. And that's the owner general manager, everybody else. And we had this discussion on on DallasCowboys.com. Is this Jerry Jones is uh, a Johnny Manziel moment. Is this the Johnny Manziel moment where Jerry stops everybody and goes, wait a minute, that tag is still on the board over there. That tag is still there. And then you've got Steven saying, well, wait a minute, Zach Martin is our highest graded player. You know, Zach Martin, that's our guy. You know, they lose out to Ryan Shazier, who goes to Pittsburgh the pick before. Now the doubt happens in the room where it's like, whoa, wait a minute, Manziel's there, you know, Martin's there. And then you've got you've got Will and Jerry and and Jason Garrett. And and Steven all sitting there, and Jerry's fighting for what's wrong with Johnny Manziel. That's the discussion they have. I don't know if this is Jerry's Johnny Manziel moment, but he is making people over there think about it. And you know, and and you know, Jerry Jones is 80 years old. And if he sees an opportunity, I would have loved to have been on the couch while he and Odell Beckham were talking about, you know, when they had their meeting. I think that would have been you talk about two guys with big egos and you know big big ideas and you know all that stuff. That would have been that would have been a great conversation to hear. And I still believe that Jerry's seen Odell Beckham play twice a year, maybe not the level you know now, but he saw he remembers the Super Bowl last year. He yeah. remembers the one-handed catch at the Meadowlands. He remembers so many things about Odell Beckham that it's hard for him to let that go. You know, I, I really, really do. Whereas everybody else organization is like, uh, Jerry, we, we got T.Y. Hilton over here. Ten hours a day, uh, reading playbook, learning, healthy. You know, all these people are talking about what they just did. And Jerry's like, you guys don't understand. This guy's like a difference maker, you know. And I, I just think that's Jerry's argument. I think that and I think everybody over there has to respect him because if you don't, you're going to be end up doing podcasts with uh, Bobby Belt, uh, you know, on a weekly basis. Which, uh, for those of you who may be a little uh, confused, like, wait, what, what what changed here? Jerry Jones was at the uh, league meetings on Wednesday. 
that were being held in Las Colinas, a suburb of, of the Dallas area. And Jerry was pretty adamant, said, stand by on Odell Beckham Jr. Like, like news could break at any time. And, and we've heard him say things like that. And we all kind of go, eh, okay. But when Nick Eatman sits up and takes notice, or I talk to other people who were were there present for it, and they all universally are like, oh, yeah, it was. It definitely felt different. It felt like legitimately something could come here. Then that makes everybody kind of sit up and take notice. I, I do agree with you. I think that this is ultimately the reason why I still sit at 5%. The only reason why I won't move off that is because this has been the most inconsistently sourced story I've ever talked about, where – People I talk to will say one thing one day, and then the next day they'll say something else. Um, or I'm getting two conflicting opinions from people who are usually both on the same page and usually pretty good. Um, and it just it, and, and that's not a a critique of those individuals or anything else. That's just the reality of how this situation has played out. It's been very unpredictable. And the most unpredictable aspect of this is ultimately Jerry's the one who wants him, and I don't think anybody else is really too high on the idea. Uh, not that they dislike the player Odell Beckham Jr., but I just think they think this isn't practical. What are we doing? But if the the five percent I'm giving here is Jerry going rogue, and and I, I said this morning on Sean and RJ, I want to five through the fan. Going rogue's a bad word for it because ultimately he's the owner and the general manager. You know, he is Jim Mercey and Chris Ballard. He is you know uh, uh, Stan Kroenke and Les Snead. He's both those guys, and it's ultimately his call. And so if he wants to do it, he's well within his right to do it and make that call as the guy who, especially for a guy who in recent years, Brian, Jerry has not done this. Jerry generally, even when he's, it's been difficult for him, generally listens to the counsel he's getting from his his sort of brain trust in the front office. He very rarely, I think, goes against a, a consensus. Yeah, I I think that's, you know, with Jerry, and he's really trust Steven. He really trust Will. He really trust Jim Maurer and Britt Brown and Mike McCarthy. He really, Dan Quinn. You know, there's a lot of trust. But I think Jerry sees an opportunity here. You know, he sees an opportunity. I think, Jerry, if you told him, listen, you're going to have to write a $2 million check to Odell Beckham, but he's going to help you win a playoff game. He would absolutely do that. And I think that's what he's banking on right now. I think he believes so much in the player, but he also believes in Britt Brown, who is going to rehab this guy. Now, if we had an opportunity to talk to Britt, Britt's very low-key, doesn't talk many people, doesn't really give you much on that. I mean, he's He's really, really great at his job. I've known him for 14 years. But I think Britt would tell you that he's probably running out of time. You know, he's probably would tell you that, okay, I've got how much time till I have to get him ready for a playoff game? You know, there's going to be a certain amount of time. I think the doctors and the trainers know that they're up against it. Six to eight weeks, probably, you know, once they get him in. And he didn't sign this week, so they missed a week opportunity here. So, yeah, it's Jerry will write that check if he knows this guy will suit up and play for a game that can help him win and go on, you know, or win it all. I think that's what Jerry looks at. And he, you know, that's what he sees. And he has a lot of faith, like I say, in Britt Brown 
to be able to hard work, lay hands, and get the absolute best out of a rehab from Odell Beckham where, you know, quite frankly, people first of November, people like Jay Glazer saying, oh, he's been cleared. Everything's ready to go. Well, no, he's not. You yeah. Know? So, you know, the, I think I think the world on November 1st was excited because of Odell Beckham. And then by December 12th, they were, hmm, this knee isn't exactly right. So that's kind of where we're at right now. What do you think? Because you talk about that rehab window. What would you guess then? We need to have this done Friday or, or, or this Monday? Thing can't, this, like, this thing like, has got to – yeah, this thing has got to go. It's got to be the next is, couple days, right? It, it can't go any – like I said, I, I know Brit and I know how they operate. They're very methodical when it comes to the preparation, down to the day, down to the hour, down to the minute, you know. I mean, you look at what they did with Dak Prescott, what they've did with Michael Gallup, what they've done with Tyron. Hell, Tyron Smith, you and I were at the practice field at the star when that he was laying on the damn ground. Yeah. You know, and now all of a sudden it's Jerry's right, meaningful football. Here we are, you know, Tyron Smith, meaningful football. And a lot of it has to do with the type of patient that Tyron Smith is. But what Britt Brown has been able – the best thing that could happen to Odell Beckham, I'm just going to say this. The best thing – if I could give him one bit of advice, sign here, get paid, rehab. You will be so much better when you visit teams in March. Your level of fitness will be beyond what you could do working on your own or working with people in Arizona. This guy will bring you to a level – Look what I mean. Gallup blew out his knee and he got a contract extension. Yeah, that that just shows you, you know, what this guy's capable of doing. Yeah. So I, my advice, if I could just LSU man to man, tiger to tiger, if I could give him advice, get here, get situated, be ready to work. That guy will get you ready, and he probably could get you a contract that you didn't think you were going to get. Let's say Monday is their deadline, just in theory. Let's say yeah. Monday's the day we got to make up our minds here. We're at they week go seven. Jack- yeah. They go into Jacksonville this weekend and they yeah. lose. Mm. More or less likely, you think, to pull the trigger on Odell Beckham if they lose? Do you no think no shame to lose? No shame to lose. Hey, no shame to losing to Jacksonville now. By the way. You oh know, no, Jackson- no you, you remember? You remember? Shame to losing to Houston. No shame losing to Jacksonville. The uh went off the goalpost against Washington, and two yeah. days later, the Amari Cooper trade happened. Now, that wasn't the entire like they were already working on something there, but it did feel like man, that was one more push of just we got to get this offense going. If this offense goes out there and struggles, even to a solid Jacksonville team, do you think that in Jerry's mind, it's like man, we've struggled the last couple weeks, now we lose a game, we definitely need to make sure we have Odell Beckham here for the stretch run, or do you think it doesn't move the needle at all either direction? Well, you might have an opportunity here on Thursday night as we tape. Seattle's playing San Francisco. Seattle loses. That's part of that playoff scenario thing that can kind of, you know. But, yeah, I I, I feel like that uh, I don't think it, I don't think they're tied together. I just think it's it was like – if the offense goes out there and struggles and the receivers are bad and Dak has trouble throwing the ball and they really don't get uh, T.Y. Hilton any opportunity or like that, there might be a little bit more of a push. But the push is they it's seven weeks away. 
that that's I don't think they're tied together. I really, really don't. You're listening to the Love of the Star podcast. The Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. All right, Brian, let's talk about fulfilling all your dreams by going to Boomer Jacks, especially on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. You know, we love telling you about our wonderful partner here at Love the Star, Boomer Jacks. And on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, they have wing lovers hooked up. Tuesdays are half-price bone-in wings. Wednesdays are half-price boneless wings. But they've got great deals the rest of the days as well. They have $3 drink specials, $15 buckets of beers. And that, that beer is the coldest beer you can find anywhere in the Metroplex. Wall-to-wall TVs, live music. Perfect atmosphere for, you know, happy hour, watching the game, taking your family somewhere. Boomer Jacks has everything that you need. There are 17 DFW locations. You can find yours by going to boomerjacks.com. That's boomerjacks.com. Now, Brian, we went a a little long on the Odell Beckham conversation, but I think it's the most interesting, and so I I wanted to to take it away. So I'm going to adjust a little bit. We're going to talk about right tackle here, and then hopefully we can work in the Jacks. you get an answer for me at right tackle? Uh, we'll see if, if we okay. don't work in the Jacksonville stuff, then uh, obviously we've got another episode coming for you guys this week. We'll, we'll tackle that a lot more, but let's start with the right tackle. See how long we go here. Uh, Terrence Steele obviously tore his ACL earlier this week. Devastating injury for the Cowboys. First, uh, just let's, let's give some props right there. Brian, I know you were somebody who, uh, has said that you, you had a lot of doubts about him and I know he, he struggled against Houston, but called him a liability. I but ultimately, him, I, came out I called and, him a liability coming out of training camp. Yeah, and and ultimately came out and was a a a really good. I would say he he's been a a top ten type of starting right tackle. Which obviously, right tackle a little bit different in terms of the studs are usually the the best players are usually at left tackle. But for right tackle specific, I think Terrence Steele has a case for being a top ten right tackle in the NFL this season, and a guy who's been really good as a run blocker. Uh, like an elite level run blocker at right tackle. Zach Martin has called him the best guy they've had on the offensive line this year, just being, you know, consistent and knowing yeah. what they've been able to get out of him. So just uh, start there. Uh, just your thoughts on how Terrence Steele has evolved and, and the credit that's due him just for the work he's put in. Thought it was going to be a real problem trying to replace Lyle Collins at right tackle. I love Lyle Collins, and it's not just an LSU thing. I, I, I really do. The problem is that Lyle Collins, there's things about him uh, off the field. There's reliability issues. There's there's things that they just weren't very happy with. You know, they weren't very happy with how banged up he is, how hurt he is. Uh, availability, that's something they talked about. You know, I felt like that here was Steele. When you talk to people about Steele, first in, last out, 
works in the weight room, studies hard, wants to learn, wants to get better, doesn't feel like he's arrived. You know, all these things that a coach absolutely loves. Joe Philbin did a great job with him. Yeah, you know, we should have known something. We should have known something last year when he had to make all those starts, you know, and and did a super job. You know, we should have known that. And I saw things in camp. I didn't think he was powerful enough as a pass blocker. The run blocking stuff, I think, is one of his strengths for sure. But did I think it was this much of a strength? No, I, I mi- totally misevaluated the player. But I'll tell you what, though, he wasn't a liability. Again, there are things like last week in the game. I don't think him nor Tyler Smith were particularly great as yeah. pass blockers. I don't think they killed you in the game, but I don't think it was, you know, you got a great 65 plays. So, you know, doing that, you know, generally what's going to happen is Terrence Steele is going to grade uh, well on 62 of the 65 plays. And you just hope that the other three plays, that he, he doesn't kill you. But, you know, like any other offensive lineman, He's going to have a minus or two. The problem was I thought he was going to have 10 minuses, and he only has two. So credit to him, credit to Joe Philbin for getting the job done there. Now the solution at right tackle, which in the immediate aftermath of the game, Jerry Jones had talked about Terrence Steele and and the, the replacement there that they were looking at and said it sounded like a lot of Jason Peters, Josh Ball. That looked like the direction they were were going to head in terms of trying to uh, address it. Didn't make it clear if that meant an, an in-game rotation or more a competition and they would settle on somebody moving forward. But now this, this Terrence Steele injury seems to have complicated things a little bit. Uh, it, it sounds like, just from, from talking to people around the building, and I think from, from you talking to people as well, it sounds like we're heading towards Tyron Smith being part of this equation. That, you know, 11, 12 years into his career, Tyron Smith is going to make a position change back to where he played as a rookie. And it looks like we're heading towards Tyron Smith at right tackle uh, for the foreseeable future with Tyler Smith staying where he's at. Um, uh, Before we dive into the right tackle aspect of it, I want to quickly just ask you about your thoughts about Tyler Smith. Is that, do you think that is a vote of confidence for that's our left tackle of the future? We're not going to mess with that. He's already spent too much time there. Yeah, I really like how the way you kind of describe things because I felt like that, man, I, I, me personally, I was thinking Tyron Smith at left tackle, transition him back in and then put Tyler Smith at right tackle working with Jason Peters in a way of a rotating and then kind of giving Tyler Smith a little bit of a break. You know, wasn't great against the Giants. I mentioned how he struggled a little bit last week. And so I thought, well, maybe this is the point where Tyler Smith just can kind of use a little bit of a rest, a little bit, you know, taking some of the pressure off. But no, I mean, the way you described it, I think you're absolutely right, Bobby. I think, you know, that they're they're thinking Tyler Smith's the left tackle of the future. You know, you're starting to hear people talk about that that Tyron Smith, as he's coming back after the injury to Peters, uh, it's not Peters, uh, to Steele, that Tyron Smith went to the team with Joe Philbin and said, hey, listen, I'll be willing to play wherever you want to put me. Knowing, knowing that, that, you know, Tyler Smith has busted his ass over there at left tackle, 
to do the job. You talk about a vote of confidence. If a Hall of Fame left tackle is telling the front office and the coaches, hey, you need to keep that kid at left tackle and I'll play where I need to play. Man, you talk about now that's that's tremendous. So now we have to figure out what's the rotation at right tackle, you know, this week, if that's the case. Now, the way you've laid it out for me, and correct me if I'm wrong, you sound like Jason Peters, Tyron Smith, and then Ball with some type of a rotation over there. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's an interesting way of playing it. And I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if it was – because I don't want 40-year-old Jason Peters having to play 70 plays is what I don't want. But But Jerry Jones Jones and Mike McCarthy both this week did give a vote of confidence. They did give a vote of confidence. If we need him to, we can. Okay, but you need to get Tyron Smith involved some way. Yes, yes. So now this might be a way of Tyron Smith for some plays, uh, Jason Peters for some few plays. And then if you need to use Josh Ball in the situation, maybe to clean something up, if the game's in good shape and you can move on, that kind of thing, well, that makes a whole hell of a lot of sense. So, man, I I like what you're saying. I think I think playing playing those three over there at some rotation might be the best absolute way of doing things. You at were least uh, for, at least for right now. At least for right now. If that's what you're hearing, man, I I know people have talked about, you know, Tyron Smith and some of the uh, things that he said. And, uh, you know, I, I believe that they're they're trying to figure that out. If uh, you, you were working in the NFL in 1992, right? First year, 27 years old. So you may remember this because I, rem- I, I know as a, as a young lad, one of my uh, just uh, yeah, quick sidebar, one of my uh, the, the ways that I became really exposed to the NFL, Brian, was, uh, you know, I, I was a big football fan when I was a kid, but when I was seven years old, uh, we had a neighbor who worked at public storage who somebody had abandoned their unit, and in that unit was a trash bag full of VHS tapes of, like, basically the 1990 through 95 seasons, every game that the Cowboys played, and it had news reports on a lot of these VHS from the week. So you'd see a bunch of Dale Hansen and uh, Scott Murray and, and guys like that. And uh, so, so I got a really good, not just education of the, like those games and that, t- that era, but also you got the news reports on the side that filled in gaps that you wouldn't normally have unless you were living back then. And uh, I remember specifically a ton of chatter on, uh, in 1992 about when John Elway went down and the Broncos were rotating every series, Sean Moore and Tommy Maddox at quarterback. Uh, and they did that against Dallas and I think the Chargers. Which is the crazier idea, Brian? You were in the league then. You may remember that 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 time when uh, Dan Reeves tried that wacky idea. Which is crazier, rotating two quarterbacks every series or just saying, let's rotate three tackles and see which one comes out ahead? You know what's funny? I could go all the way back to the 70s <laughs> as a kid when Tom Landry shuffled Craig Morton and Roger Staubach in a game every other play. And there was a time, there was a time when Tom Landry used to send the plays in with an offensive guard. So now it was a guard switching out every play. Like he would call the play, he would send it in. 
Can you imagine, like, <laughs> I mean, seriously. That's wild. Zach Martin, like, jogging on the field, you know, telling telling Dak what the play is, and then jogging off after the play, and another guy come in, you know, McGovern comes in, you know, and he's – but that's – there were times where, where coaches would call the plays, but the quarterbacks kind of called the plays too – but Landry would shuttle offensive linemen. He shuttled quarterbacks that one game. It, I, they got beat. I think it was against the Bears. They got beat. But yeah, it was uh, it was a, kind of a crazy time for for doing that. And yeah, you're right. Uh, I've I've never seen where three offensive tackles have ever played in a game unless something happened injury wise. That's the only time. Yeah. Do you think this is a one-week experiment, a one-week, let's see who, you know, what cream rises to the top, let's see who stands out, or do you think this is the plan for the foreseeable future? Like, we're just going to rotate moving forward, keep guys fresh, this is how we'll do things, or are we eventually just going to say, okay, Tyron Smith played better, or Jason Peters played yeah. better, but we're going to set them up at right tackle? If you get through this game and somehow, some way, you get the victory, I mean, I, I'm – Hey, your favorite in the game. I think it's going to be a really tough game. I know on Friday we'll give our predictions. But the when you look at this game, uh, you know, I think it's about ramping up Tyron Smith. And if he can get to the point where they feel totally comfortable about him playing against Philadelphia at right tackle, then by all means, that's what you're going to see. And you're going to see Jason Peters then become the swing guy, whether it's left tackle or right tackle with Josh Ball being the guy that's probably predominantly going to play on the right side. So you might have Peters on the left side backing up Tyler Smith and then Josh Ball on the right side backing up Tyron Smith in the in these games. You know, you mentioned earlier how big it is that a Hall of Famer would be moving over to right tackle. Um, we well, got and, two Hall of Famers playing that's the position. I was about to say, you had two Hall of Famers here that Tyler Smith – You got Smith three Hall of Fame linemen playing right now in this team. Yeah. And that's that's a, a a big credit, obviously, to Tyler Smith. But the forgotten guy here a little bit. You didn't think I was going to mention uh, Biotish as the Hall of Famer? Right? I I know. I I thought that went without saying. We we knew we knew Biades was uh you know the difference maker. But <laughs> hey, and, and he, hey, look, How he does is that happen. Nah, I mean, look, it's <laughs> a tough name. If you don't know the phonetic, it's a tough name to figure out. It's uh, not. It's I, not. B I A D A S Z without the phonetic, you would have guessed it's Biotish. I wouldn't have. I had man, no idea. The man is playing his ass off and he's Biodaz. <laughs> Biodaz. That's that's Jerry Jones's. And uh, I think Steven is also called Steven's him. Steven's also on that too, yeah. Uh, but, but the guy we maybe haven't talked about enough here is that amidst all this shuffling, part of this is also about seemingly you don't want to take Connor McGovern off the field. I don't, exactly right. Exactly. And so uh, there, yeah. there's a guy now. If Terrence Steele is a testament to Joe Philbin, you know, winning in spite of maybe or, 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 or proving correct in spite of maybe what some thoughts were in the personnel department about the player, a guy who went undrafted, Connor McGovern, you might be able to say, is a victory for the personnel department over the doubts of the offensive line coach. Yeah, because that wasn't his guy. You no. Know? And, not was, a was a, and if you talk to, as you and I talked to, a lot of people in the scouting department around, you know, and I know some guys have come and gone and whatever with the scouting department had some changes here recently, but you know, you look at, they were, they wanted, they, they had a second round grade. They had a top of the second round grade 
on Connor McGovern. I mean, they, they Tristan Hill who went yeah, above it. and higher, yeah, higher than, and they went ahead and took the the tackle over the guard there, and but that wasn't a Joe Philbin guy, and he he has really had to overcome not being the that offensive line stuff. If you're not the guy's guy, that's tough. Need a that's sponsor. Tough. See, that's how that yeah you need sponsors. That's how Terrence Steele. Terrence Steele got a sponsor from Joe Philbin because he was willing to do everything that Joe asked him to do. Uh, Lyle Collins, on the other hand, eh, not so much, you know. So yeah, it's. Uh, I think I think that you have to give Connor McGovern a lot of credit because I was having problems taking him off the field myself. And I think the Cowboys ultimately did too. Uh, you are listening to the Love of the Star podcast. The Love of the Stars and Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Brian, before we jump into our listener mailbag here, I've got to remind everybody once again about our wonderful partner here at Love the Star. It is Boomer Jacks. You feeling a little upset about some of the recent free agent news surrounding this team? You need to go to Boomer Jacks and, and get you the wings special because you're going to feel so much better after that. Tuesdays, Boomer Jacks has half-price bone-in wings. Wednesdays are half-price boneless wings, but they've got $3 drink specials every day of the week. $15 buckets of beer, and that beer is the coldest beer that you're going to find anywhere in the Metroplex or anywhere else. They also have wall-to-wall TVs, and I know you, when I say wall-to-wall TVs, you're thinking, oh, they have a lot of TVs. No, I mean they literally have TVs covering just about every space on the wall. It is fantastic. Any game you're looking for, whatever, it's going to be up there somewhere in Boomer Jacks. They also have live music, and it's just a great atmosphere for whatever you're looking for. There are 17 DFW locations, so find yours by going to boomerjacks.com. That's boomerjacks.com. All right, Brian, it is now time for the Dean Julia Love of the Star mailbag. Uh, it's brought to you by Dean Julia on Twitter. Uh, let's work <laughs> in some of these questions here. First question, and I, I just like this one uh, for the – Dean the, Julia uh, asked me a question. Do I need to get back to him? I'm sorry I didn't get back to him. I, I uh, This question from Russell Maben, Brian. Uh, this offseason, would you be in favor of Jerry uh, signing or trading for the guard Connor McGovern from the Jets just for the sake of confusion? <laughs> that's that's very clever have you have you have you ever run into an instance whether it be in training camp or anything else in all years of the nfl where you had two guys with the same name on the same roster oh geez bobby why are you doing this <laughs> okay green bay no i don't think so philly no in philly was there ever a chris jones chris jones in philly no I'm trying to think. I, I I don't think so. Jacksonville. I don't think so. No, I don't think it, it's happened to me, Bobby. I don't think Cowboys, so. Man, if they went and got Connor McGovern, and you have two Connor McGoverns who both play guard center, and yeah, Connor have, McGovern, Connor McGovern, Tyler Smith, Tyron Tyler Smith, Smith, and then you yeah. still have a Tyler Biotish in the center. Tyler, yeah, Tyler Biotish. Mess it up. So yeah, yeah, yeah. it's uh, it's it, it would be quite confusing. Uh, but I'd be it's in a great that. question. I don't I, think I, I've ever been. I don't think I've ever been. You know, the closest you would ever be was like a, a Chris Jones or, you know, it's got to be something like that. But I don't think I've ever had to go through that. Question here from uh, Johnny. Mr. Broadus, do you think that Kellen Moore will ever get his play calling right? More running, less passing <laughs> plays is the key to winning for the Cowboys. It's not that hard. Well, the fact that he buttered me up with the Mr. Broadus thing, I think uh, <laughs> yeah, it deserves a good answer. Uh you know what? I think there's things that I think there's things that Kellen Moore is really, really good at. 
I think there's some creativity with his game. I don't know where it goes at times on the goal line. I, I mean, I you were so creative in some of the things that you've done you know, with the Colts and that game and, you know, the little shovel pass, pop pass, whatever, you know, getting guys moving and all that. And then you run the ball four straight times, you know, last week against the Texans. And maybe it was a little cavalier. Maybe it was like, hey, we ran the ball all the way down here. We're going to just run it in again. You know, I felt like, though, on the first and eight, I think it was, that maybe you need a little bit more, you know, maybe it's like, okay, try something here. Do a little motion there. You know, heck, when they got down on the goal line, they threw the ball in the final drive. I mean, I was scared to death. I'm like, oh, God, Dak, you know, he's throwing in the middle, and you're thinking, don't get knocked in the air oh, and all that. Oh, I, I was, I was oh. certain. Defensive tackle was going to put his hand I up. I swear I thought. I'm like, off. please don't. Like, Dak is falling down. He's throwing it sidearm. You know, it's Gallup who kind of is not really always going to snatch the ball in his hands. I'm worried about him. You know, he's body catching it. He's going to the ground. It pops up off his body. You know, yep. all kinds of things were going through my head. But to answer the question, I think there's times he really, really is creative. And then there's times you point out where he runs – you know, three, he runs three hooks, you know, or something that you're like, well, how is, you know, no, you're not going to do that. I I just think I, I wish they found a way to run screens better. This, this team can't run screens to hey, save their ass. Well, honestly, I, I, I need to ask Kellen more about that on Monday. Well, it's, yeah, it's please like, do. Hey, what, what's the, or, but, or maybe even ask Mike McCarthy on Friday, like, Hey, what's the key to get the screen game going for you guys? Yeah. Because that, that's been a frustrating aspect. It's for them. very frustrating because they were a good screen team in Green Bay. You know, they've been a good screen team. So, yeah, to the question of Kellen, I do think there's some creativity there. And then other times I'm like, bro, what did someone turn your headset off? You know, what's what's going on here? So I'd like to see a little bit more of that. I think we all would. Which, you know, we I, I've mentioned this before. I think you and I have talked about it during the offseason stuff is that there's a little bit of a reputation around the league from some folks uh, who see Kellen Moore who feel like when the field gets short, his cre- he just has trouble. He yeah. needs space to create. That yeah. they feel like a lot of his creativity comes in space, and so when the field gets tight, he has trouble drawing some things up. And so that that could very well be it. Or a quarterback uh, that just fires it into the middle of the field, well, you know, yeah, cover two. That, that throw that. he made. That throw he made to Schultz. I am man. How he got away with it, and what a great throw. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Question here from uh, Tristan. Is in the sample size that we've seen, Calvin Joseph, do you think he has an unfair reputation? Young corner who hasn't played a ton is always in position and hasn't played terrible. I just feel like people are riding him off way too early. Uh, before you chime in, Brian, I will say there's a huge and has been for two years a trust factor with Calvin Joseph that the defensive coaching staff has been working on consistently that they that they haven't dealt with with other young corners. And so that's a major factor here is that it's not there. There are young corner problems here and he'll make a few knucklehead plays, but when it's compounded by some trust issues, that makes it all the much more worse. So I think that's part of what you're seeing there. I can't add any more to that. I think you got him nailed. Do you think he's played all right? Uh, I think was, he's good. I, all right. I think that third down knockdown was good. I think that Dean Blandino put it pretty well in the game that it was a the long ball that went down the sidelines, I think was a drop. Ball hit the ground. I think he got worked on that one a little bit. I will say this, though. I feel better about the ball coming his way when it's running or thrown to him 
just because I know he'll be physical and make a tackle. You know, he won't he won't shrink out there. He won't give ground. He won't fade into the bushes. You know, like Homer Simpson. You know, when uh, when the <laughs> yeah, ball's Homer coming, his, yeah, yeah, he he won't fade into the bushes. So I I'm okay with him, Bland, those guys being out there. Just keep letting those young guys play. They're going to make mis- some mistakes. I think they're also going to make some big plays for you. Do you feel like Kelvin Joseph struggles a little bit with the uh, the Cheeto Awuzie disease in yeah. the right position? Doesn't always see the ball. Well, I think he's. I think he's just as quick. I think he's just as. I think he could be. I think he's tougher. Uh, I think he's a little bit. I I don't know about the awareness as well. I think that's something you kind of develop. I think you develop a little bit of awareness and feel for how to play. And maybe Awuzie had a little bit of that because he would be in perfect position to make plays and then just faint on the play. So, yeah, I I just like to believe that this – I said a bunch. This kid just – he hasn't played a lot. I mean, he, he didn't play at LSU and he didn't play at Kentucky. A lot of pressure on him because he's a second-round pick and then a lot of pressure on him because – he was he was unfortunately uh, in a situation that you know nobody would ever want to be in, you mm-hmm. know. But he found himself in that situation, and you know he's trying to ra- rally back from from those things. Next question here from Mitch Silver: Why has the Cowboys roster for so long had such a deep aversion to deep threat? Take the top, really the only notable one we've had really used like that here. Um, Brian, uh, Jalen Tolbert, I believe, was like a four four eight four four nine guy at the combine. That yeah. was the first one in twenty two years. The Cowboys' first combine participating receiver, and I believe twenty two or twenty three years that the Cowboys had drafted that had ran a sub four five receiver. So this has been a long standing. I'm curious, when you were in the scouting department, was that ever an aversion? Like, was there any? Is it, do you think that's just fluky? Because I mean, twenty three years is a pretty significant sample size yeah. to say that you draft anybody who ran under a four or five. Yeah, that it's kind of a strange thing. I, I I know from my end of working on things, you were always looking for speed. You know, was, we short, just, was short area quickness more important than long well, because speed? because because of some the because of the the offenses that we ran and stuff like that. With you know, there was stuff with Bruce Coslett because back in the day, Bruce Coslett I mean. Uh, he had guys. He, you know, he had the Chris Collinsworth and and guys like that. I'm trying to think of uh, the other Tim ones. McGee, yeah, tight end. Uh, you know, he had all these guys. I'm thinking of was it Carl Pickens was also a guy. Carl Pickens, Darnay Scott. Yeah, he was dealing with some of that stuff. So, yeah, but yeah, it was yeah Darnay Scott. I mean, he had guys that were kind of down the field players. But I'm just trying to think of like the offense, Jack Riley. That was the Norv Turner offense, you know, Ernie Zampezi offense. I mean, it wasn't always about the vertical players. I think everybody would love to have receivers that can run and get vertical. You know, I think that would help. But, you know, they've had a situation, too, where when they want to throw the ball down the field, what have they had to do? They've had to run max protection. You know, they have to yeah. keep tight ends yeah, and backs in in order to even give it a chance to get down the field. So – I don't know. That's I, I. I'd like to believe that they would like to get a receiver that's got some vertical separation. I kind of felt like that that maybe uh, Michael Gallup was that guy, but I don't know if they want to throw the ball up down the field to him and have him get tangled up again. You know what happened to him with, you know, the injuries. We had heard like I'd heard some some last week 
that James Washington was going to be a vertical player for them. Yeah. You know, and, and he didn't really, yeah. he got and really now hard. James Washington is just trying to hang on. You know what I'm saying? So absolutely. And, and by the way, while they haven't, like I said, when they, they, while they haven't had a sub four or five guys, for instance, Des Bryant was a four or five, two guy, but his 10 yard split, Brian was one, four flat. Yeah. Which is that's the 10 yard split of a guy running like four, three almost. Yeah. And yeah. so, they do like that. They did that, a bad uh, shoes on grass at a bad at, yeah on a workout. It was weird, weird day. But <laughs> it was uh, that that uh, that about does it here for us on Love of the Star. We'll have another episode coming tomorrow. I promise we will do a uh, full segment preview of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, maybe we'll get some uh, great stories from Brian Broadus about his time in Jacksonville. Anywhere you recommend uh, uh, I eat when I'm in Jacksonville this week? Do you remember any spots? Hey, what haven't been down to Jacksonville since about well. I went to well, I went to Daytona for a car race, but that's still about ninety miles away. Any any place it depends on where you guys are staying. You staying downtown or where you staying? I can tell you right now where I'm staying. Whoa, 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 whoa. Don't say it on the air. I'm not going to. I'm not going okay. to. I can just I can give you a general idea. Uh I believe we are staying uh yes, it looks like we're staying downtown. Okay. Well, yeah, don't say the hotel. I said downtown. That's all I said. I wasn't going to read you the the hotel name. I know that. I believe we're staying downtown. Yes. You don't want to get in trouble. Yeah. (laughs) I I mean, downtown, there's a lot. There's a lot they've added to. Again, I haven't been to Jacksonville. I mean, we played one time there. Like, what, 2006? You worked there, too. Yeah, I did. But that was 1998. Uh, you can have changed in Jacksonville in 24 years. I don't think so. Down in the water, down on the water, there's some good things down there, though. I think they have a like a an area with a bunch of restaurants and stuff. I can't remember what exactly it's called. But I'll tell you what, I'll call my buddy who's with the Jaguars. I'll get some places. And how about on Friday, I'll have some There we go. I'll, I'll have a mailbag question for you. Uh, tomorrow, we'll preview the Jaguars. We will also uh, dive a little bit into uh, Micah Parsons, Jalen Hurts comments, and the Eagles being all pissed off didn't about say that. Now. Wrong at all, that kid. He didn't. He was 100% correct. Uh, for Brian Broadus, I'm Bobby Bell. We will talk to you guys again tomorrow.